Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. How many of you guys got a Starbucks card? One, two. Oh, not much. I, I, got, a, I got a Raising Cane's gift card, which was much more, yeah, accurate, so much more useful than a $9 coffee. So I'm going to get me some Cane's. However, um, anyone want to take a stab at how many unused gift cards are right currently for Starbucks? How much the, the total worth of what's this year, you know, because they expire? Take a guess how much unused, um, unclaimed. How much? Three billion, man. That's uh, that's a lot. It's less than that, but it is a lot because their their total revenue is about a billion. Um, but sixty million dollars. That's how much money is floating out there, and it's the smartest thing in the world if you're Starbucks or if you're you know Chipotle or somebody like that. Because whenever you uh, whenever you sell these gift cards, um, you know worst case scenario, it's just like cash, and you just give the people their stuff, and you've made a transaction. But a lot of times, people just uh, forget about them, or they lose them, or they think that's the one I used, or you know whatever, whatever, and just or they they wait till they expire. Uh, I am going somewhere, but just so you know, there are like. Uh, Chipotle has like uh, $58 million this year of just unused revenue right in their pocket. Never going to be used. Isn't that amazing? Man, that, that's, that, that's the way to do it. Um, the reason why is because, well, the same thing that happens to us spiritually a lot of times. Uh, we give up and we refuse to redeem what's ours. And so I just began to wonder as I pray for our church, you know, and our church is, you know, is doing well. There's a, there's a good energy. There's a passion to grow the kingdom. And I'm just so excited to be a part of what God is doing right now. But even now, even though God is really pouring out his spirit and things are, you know, things are happening, souls are being saved, I'm still left wondering um, what you have on your gift cards um, that you're not using uh, for the kingdom. Do you understand where I'm going at all right now? Uh, a lot of you guys ha- have giftings and you have talents and you have an anointing on your your life and you have purpose. God has, has, has put that in you. It's not just natural. It's not just, a, it's not just you know, happenstance that you are who you are. And that you were redeemed with the purpose that you were redeemed for. You've got these things. You've got these things inside you and, and, and around you in your, your hands. And they never get you know, redeemed. They never get you know, called in. So, so they, they sit dormant until either they expire or they, you know, they get lost or they get forgotten about. The promises of God and what He called you for, the reason He made you is, and some of you guys are so stubborn, including me, and, uh, and, and, and that is, you know, it can be difficult to work with stubborn people, but if you would get a hold of God, get right in the middle of something for God, then that, 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 you know, that, that other side of that gifting, the fact that you've got a personality whenever you start something that you would finish it, if you would put that in the kingdom use, man, what a blessing it would be. Some of you guys, some of you guys are, are, are forgiving, you're loving, uh, you, you, know, you have grace with other people. Some of you are just good at explaining things. Uh, you're very empathetic. or you, All these gifts. And they're sitting probably in my console of the car, forgotten about. And I go to church and I go home and sometimes I even go to the same restaurant with those gift cards, and, and, and I pay for it, didn't need to. You know, you do have, and, and you, you want to argue with me, you do have an inheritance. 
You do have a purpose. You do have a call. Uh, Romans 8, and there's just so much good in here, but I kind of condensed it to Romans 8, chapter 14. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God or daughters. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You received something, and that's not it. Fear, defeat, that's not it. The Word of God says you haven't received the spirit of bondage to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. For the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs. That's good because you can be a child without being an heir whenever there's nothing to pass on, right? If if, if anybody... is connected with me on social media at all, um, then you, know, you see that the other day I posted something. I should bring it up, um, but, uh, you know, and it kind of went around for a little bit. And I, I, the crux of what I said was, if you don't have a dime to pass on to your children at the end of your days, but you instill in them the knowledge of God, the love, and the fear of God, then you have accomplished your mission. And it'd be good if you can pass on more than that, but uh, you know that, that, that's great, you should. But the most important thing, give them something that'll get them to heaven. Amen? And if you leave your children millions of dollars, but they're bereft of a revelation of Christ, then you've done them the most terrible of disservices. Amen? If you can leave them something like that. Praise God. We are heirs. Of Christ. Now that doesn't mean a whole bunch of you know just a whole bunch of goodies and you know, and, and things that are self-focused and self-oriented. Things for me, 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 me. Everything that God left you is mostly for somebody else. And I go, oh, that's that's you know. Whenever He leaves us things, whenever He gives us things, the, the, their use and their purpose is that we can expand the kingdom, that we can reach out and and, and win for Him more heirs. Amen. So you got to understand, even the good things that are in your life, because some, some of us have taken those wonderful things that God has placed in our lives, you know, just that drive for hard work, that intelligence, that ability to, you know, whatever it is, whatever it is that makes you you, um, the best part of you, 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 you're in this place where you think, you know, this is, I, how do I use my gifts to further myself on down the road? And that's a gross misuse of what God put in you, because everything that he gave you is for others, is for the kingdom, is for the children who are, who are still afar off, Amen. Heirs, verse 17 said, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Skipping down to verse 37. Yet in all these things, and you know, through all that passage, it's a whole bunch of horrible stuff that you probably will, you know, may have to go through as a child of God. Yet in all those things, uh, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much um, for what you are, uh, for what, what you're preparing to do in us, God, and what you've already spoken, Lord. We're not trying to cajole you into revival. We're not trying to, uh, to talk you in or to, uh, uh, to precipitate a move of God. We're not trying to do any of that, God, or hype up something. What we are doing is we're trying to get into obedience and to come into agreement with your plan, with who your will is for our lives, with what your will is for our church.
We are here for you, God, not to fabricate some version of, of this church and this vision um, that we think is best. But, oh, God, there is a plan. There is a purpose. And may we find it and operate in it that at the end of our days, and when we meet you face to face, we might hear, well done, now good and faithful servants. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So I'm, I'm talking a little bit about, you know, what, unused gift cards, about the things of God, you know, that, that, that he gives to us and he allows, uh, you know, he, he means for us and how sometimes we don't redeem. We don't redeem, you know, that gift, that inheritance. Sometimes spiritually we've kind of made that very clear. Sometimes spiritually we don't redeem the things that God uh, has there for us. And that can look so many different ways. You know, we could preach a series about the things that God has. It's not just a bunch of money, a bunch of, you know, of good stuff and favor to where, you know, your business always goes good. But but the fruits of the Spirit that God wants to have in your life, you know, the ministry and the purpose that he has for you in the kingdom. That's what I'm talking about, being an heir, but more than an heir, a conqueror. Because to be an heir alone is one thing. But you've got to take what he has given. And that would be a, a very simple, straightforward process, right? It's one thing if I... Uh, you know, if I want to, right, right now, if I had a dime you know, to my name then, and, I, and I threw it, you know, I threw my wallet um, to Tim, it's one thing. But Andrew is between them. <laughs> and Andrew is an opportunist. <laughs> and so if he sees money flying through the air like a blessing from God, uh, there's a good chance that, that something might happen between there. And we kind of have to think about this uh, as children of God. It's not as straightforward as, as, as we... Um, and, you know, God gives us this, and he says, hey, Ben, you know, this is for you. This is for you to be blessed and do well with and enjoy. That's called a Pentecostal handshake. Some of you all know about it, if there was something in it. <laughs> that's, yeah. um, and that's when you shake hands and you pass it off. I gave it directly to him. But what God does, he promises you something for you to, and then you have to attain it because um, you know, even though God is the ruler of everything and the ruler of all, this, um, this, this is a messed up world. Can I get an Amen. Uh, this is a broken world. This is a world where, uh, where, where, where wickedness runs rampant, and the enemy kind of has the field for a little bit. He is the prince of the power of the air, and for a certain amount of time, uh, you know, which is time stamp, by the way. Somebody say amen. Um, you know, because he is coming back, and he's about to set things right. So he's going to split the eastern sky. It's not his forever, but he's allowed to run amok right now. This is his season. It's his time. But even in the midst of this, there are still things that are ours. Amen. So God says, well, that's, you know, that, this, this area is yours. And then it is up to us to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the blood, and by the authority of he who gave it to us, to claim that, to operate in that. Because there is an enemy. There is an opposing force. There, there, is, there is a Satan. There is a spirit world. Am I just talking to myself here? You will not achieve your promise or your purpose for free. You thought you did. Sometimes come, we come up here and get saved in this altar, and, and I just be like, ah, you come back here for a minute. Don't you just run off on me now because you just stepped into a battle. You stepped into a mind. That's why I want you to come on Wednesday nights because you're not out there living for free and just you know, taking all the things that God has and just you know, walking around you know, like, through, through the sunset, meandering through the, you know, through the flowers. That's not what you signed up for. You signed up for a battle, for a fight. And let me tell you, especially when you first get saved, that is when uh, the enemy will send everything in his arsenal at you. He will start to try and sow division in your relationships. Uh, he will get involved. He will, he will attack you in any way that he possibly can. Your finances, uh, you, you, things, 
every, every, every ounce of authority, he will fill that up and use it to attack you, especially when you're just trying to get started. Because he knows he can discourage you then because the roots haven't grown as deep as they will. Amen? It's important. There's a passage of scripture. And let me, let me, let me set the, the, the context here. Um, the children of Israel um, in Joshua, Joshua 13 and 14, if you read both, through, um, the, both those passages, those chapters, uh, then you're going to read a lot about what was promised. Um, you know, they're, they're going to they're gonna get the land, and this one's going to get this area, this one's going to get this area, and there's a big inheritance that's come from God, and now they're going into the land, they're fighting the Canaanites, they're fighting the Amorites, and they're, they're, take, they're fight, pushing the Philistines back, they're taking the land that God promised for them. You know, God has promised you. He's promised our body here, an inheritance. And that inheritance um, is not a new shiny LED sign. That's just a small apparatus that, that we put together so that we could go get our inheritance. Amen? Some churches, hey, hey, some churches get it sideways. A big, beautiful building, that's not our inheritance. That, that's just a, that's, that's a, that's a kind of a glorified, you know, facade for us to put our inheritance in whenever we invite them and they come and they have an interaction with Christ and they get saved. That is what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, you, know, we, you know, our church fandom cares. Like, that's just, that's just, that's, that's just something we use to, to go get our inheritance. People. We love people. God loves people. Jesus came for people. He didn't, if he cared about stuff, he wouldn't have come into a manger. He would have went to a palace. Let me remind you of my favorite uh, Christmas, uh, Christmas present. Um, Actually, it was my least favorite, and it's so unfair because, uh, yeah, I, was, I got my stories you know, crossed over. Um, whenever I was real little, I, you know, I liked, loved Legos, and I was a big crybaby, too, a lot of times. And so somebody got my name in the drawing, and, uh, so I, and there was a whole big package full of Legos. And, uh, you know, that person, and actually she'll be here, like, on the 20th um, because it's my aunt Joyce, and she's the sweetest and most considered person in the world. But, like, the big package of Legos had no people in it. And so I, was, I started to cry. Spoiled brat, I know. Yeah, corporal punishment. Um, but I, I, I started to cry, and then they asked me why. I said, because there's no people. I want people in there. And that is, I think, a lot of how, um, a, a, a lot of God's feeling whenever we present stuff and no people. Whenever we lose our, our identity, whenever we lose our way as Christians, as the body, and we're like, I paid my tithes. I know the tithes are going to the storehouse, and then they're not just to be stored. They're going to be used there in order to, to, to facilitate in any way we can an interaction between the lost and the Savior. Like, well, I did this. Well, you know, I put in my work. You know, I did, I did this. Well, that, that's great. That's fine. But it's all about people. We can have a big, beautiful church, and I'm so thankful for everyone who's worked hard to make it nice in here, and, you know, for our, for our little sign, and that, that our, our, our pavement, you know, praise God for the pavement being redone this year. Hey, 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 if you've been here long enough, then you remember some potholes, you know, and, and praise God, it's for people. It's, that's our inheritance. So there is a time in Scripture after Joshua 13 and 14, and this is, and we'll read this verse here in a minute, but it's in 2 Samuel I know you'll go there, so I'm not going to give it to you. You'll skip ahead of me. Um, so, but in this time, there are judges in the land, and they're failing. You know, and then they'll do good for a little bit, and they'll fail. But uh, the Philistines have come in and started to steal the inheritance of God's people. 
Um, they are taking land. They're taking slaves. They're taking cattle. They're taking the food every time. Uh, the Philistines are so, are so wicked and so rotten that every single time that, uh, that there is a big harvest that comes in, they just sit there and wait. They're so rotten, they'll sit there and wait till the Israelites gather it all up for them. And they'll come in on horseback. They'll come in with their armies, and they'll steal the whole harvest. I tell you what, the enemy would love to do that to us. Ride in here and steal our harvest. We can't let them do it. But that's what was going on. I mean, they were stronger militarily. There's a lot of reasons why. Um, but the main reason is not that the Philistines had um, iron instead of bronze. That's not the real reason. The real reason is that the people would kind of turn their back on God. And they, they come out of favor with God. And uh, that's whenever you lose the inheritance, whenever you, st- you stop walking, you know, in the ways of righteousness. And you stop being who God's called you to be. You can lose your inheritance that way. So there's a guy named Shama. Somebody say Shama. Yes, Lord. Shama. And he's, he, whenever you read about him in the Bible, then he's one of the all-time, you know, he's a beast. He's one of the great warriors. He's one of the war band leaders of David. And so you think about Shama, and you're like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's one out of, like, he's the number three man in the whole army. Um, he's mighty. He's, he's literally the unit's name is David's Mighty Men. And you don't get that way by being good at paperwork. You know, that's, that's not how you know, promotion goes in this army. Like, you, you're, you're a beast. You're, you're a warrior. You're, um, you're a monster. And Shama, you know, he's just this battle-tested, battle-hardened guy. And uh, this is a little bit of his story. I, wanna, I just want to preach this for a few minutes. At this time, though, they're just losing. Somebody say loser. A loser... Um, doesn't, when, it, when it comes right down to it, it doesn't mean ugly. It doesn't mean you're not cool. It's somebody who operates in a mindset that accepts the loss of what is theirs. So, you know, loser, you know, you can call people that, but it's an insult. But what does it really mean? It means somebody at its core who operates in a mindset that accepts the loss of what is theirs. Um, there's a quote by Napoleon. I couldn't find it word for word, but I remember through you know, that he used to say this. Uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, who you know, one of the great conquerors of all time, um, he said, "An enemy is not defeated until he himself considers it so." Isn't that good? Yeah. An enemy is not defeated until he himself considers it so. He knew what it was like to go back and fight the same battle again, and then finally, uh, a bunch of you know, what happened to Napoleon is a bunch of people um, that he beat. Time and time and time again, and, and bullied, uh, they all, you know, he, he could never finish the job. And so they came back and just kept attacking, kept fighting, and finally the, he's the one who gets deposed. Um, an enemy is not defeated until he can, himself considers it so. And because Israel was no longer operating in the Joshua 13 and 14 mindset, they were quickly losing the promises, the power, and the inheritance of God. But there's one guy that I want to focus on, Shama. But you know what's crazy about Shama? Mighty, mighty man, great warrior, you know. You know what his name means? Somebody just throws something random out. What is it? Brave. You would think so. I think that's a great guess. Loving? I like that. That's a good, that, that is a good biblical-sounding guess. I like it. I like where your mind's at. Somebody else. Who said what? Peace? Okay. It's, it's, these, these are good biblical things. Uh, one more, one more, and I'm just going to call somebody. Uh, I'm going to call somebody. So, Amanda, what do you think that biblical name Shama means? I love doing it. I just love putting them on the spot. 
godly. That's a great guess. That is absolutely, don't, don't, don't turn red on me now. Um, that's as good a guess as anybody, you know, had. But here's the thing. It means loser. Right? No, 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 good guess. I did not think it meant loser when I got into my study and my word. <laughs> I was like, you know, my, mine kind of sounded more theological, Tom. You know, I could ask you, you would have had a theological sounding guess. Yeah, you would have. Um, you would have been like, um, he, who, he whose hands Yahweh teaches to fight. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, yes, you I mean, I, you know, like something like that. You know, something, uh, you know, you know, yeah. He who recovers all. Some, something great. Something very theological, KJV-ish, you know, something real, you know, just, you know, got, got a little zing to it. You know what I'm talking about? No. It literally means loser. Now, that's my translation of it, but, you know, in, in Hebrew, it's a, a loss, desolation. You know, that's the name of Sean. That's the name of this guy. But it's, it's where he was. It's who they were. It was their identity. And some of you guys are thinking, like, you know, what would my spiritual name be right now? Loser. You know? Compare myself with you know, this person or that person, just but you know, and I could I could I could call it my you know, I could say a lot of different stuff, but whenever it comes right down to it, I kind of feel like I just I lose. Um, I, things are not where they're supposed to be in my life, in my family, um, in my in my finances, and all these different areas and things. I just feel like a loser a little bit. I, I feel like you know the enemy has beat me up so bad in 2019, and, and to be perfectly honest, if anything, I'm a little further than, from God than I used to be, and, and I'm am discouraged all the time. I'm beat down. It feels like you know my you know you know I, I'm holding my life together, but it's not going anywhere. It's all I can do to kind of stay afloat. I feel like I, I I'm losing here. If anything, I feel like the enemy is taking from me. It's not being a loser. Loser is not just being a dork, not just being ugly, not just being somebody that, you know, who, who you know, whatever. It, it's somebody who is actively uh, uh, losing things. I'm losing my promises. I'm losing my potential. I'm losing faith. I'm losing hope. How many of you sometime in this past year, for a minute even, just for a little season there, you started to lose hope? I started to lose hope in what God wanted to do in my life. I started to lose, you know, right now, I'm, 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 I'm with you, I'm in your head though. I'm starting to lose hope that it can be what, what I once hoped that it could be. I'm starting to lose my, my, my faith in God's promise. And I know you're all too theologically sound to doubt God's promises. But you're, 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 what you're really, here's, here, and here you go, what you're really doubting is your ability to attain it. To have it. You know, I don't believe for a minute that there's not enough money in the bank for me to make a withdrawal. But I doubt if I can withdraw it. <laughs> Maybe somebody else can. <laughs> there's enough money in there for sure to take care of all my needs. But, but I, don't, I don't know that I can. <laughs> not necessarily here right now, but I've been there. And so have you. Don't you lie to me. Um, you, ever, you ever swipe your card and just hope for the best? <laughs> you ever been there? You know? Let me go old school on you. You, you. you ever dug in the sides of the cushions of the couch trying to find enough, to, you know, some manna there? You ever been there? Maybe you're there, maybe you're there this morning. Yeah. You, maybe you're, you know, you're losing your ability to believe. Not that God's promises are yea and amen. Not that God, you know, I, don't, I know God's good and he's rich and he's strong and he's powerful. I know all that. But me, I... I don't know if I can have that. Amen. Shama means loser. 
Isn't that crazy that this is one of the greatest, most mighty men in the, in the Bible, one of the David's mighty men? Um, it was like, all right, you know, you, uh, Beniah, you take the left flank, and you, okay, you guys, go over there. Loser, hit him from the side. <laughs> you would think at some point, like, that got weird, you know? And it's like, that, that, that's what his name meant. The, you, loser. Yeah, these are losers, man. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine you come in and, like, in your helmet, Everybody's got a tag on it, and yours says loser because it's your name. But let me tell you something, though. Man, this is, this, this is the passage of Scripture right here. I'm going I'm to split this text into two verses. 2 Samuel 23, 11 through 12 says, And after him it was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herorite, the Philistines, and here's his story. The Philistines had started to gather together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled before the Philistines. Let me break that down for you, and we'll get there, and we'll get the rest of it, and then we'll be out of here. Amen. I got London Broil waiting on me, so I got, more, uh, I got more invested in ending this thing on time than most of you. But I am not going to end this thing until we get a hold of God, until we've heard from heaven, until this Holy Spirit's done. Can somebody say Amen. 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 The situation is this. He is, he is, he's, he's fighting for the harvest. He's in there. Shama, you know, the loser. You know, he's loser from loser town. And, you know, they're all waiting. You can almost see the, the Philistines across the rise just waiting. I dare you. Just gather it up for them. And you have to deal with their mockery. You know, and they're just like, you know, make sure you put it all in one nice bundle for us when we come and get it. That's how you feel the enemy has kind of treated you. Just, you know, just, just oh, oh you, you tried to do something good, did you? You're trying to go to church? Yeah, just you know, keep it nice there for me because I'm going to come in. I'm going to steal that joy. I'm going to steal that hope. Oh, you, you made a little bit of savings or, you know, you, you've tried to repair that relationship with that crazy, uh, you know, re- relation of yours. And you're trying to be forgiving. You're trying to, you know, you, you read a good book and, you know, you, you got a hold of God. You came to the altar and you just had a moment there. So you're trying to repair that and, and it's going good. And the enemy is just sitting back saying, hey. Just gather that up all nice because I'm coming for it. There are so many situations like that. You're trying. You're trying to reap the harvest. And the enemy is sitting back saying, just, yeah, go ahead and bring it all in because I'm going to steal it. And you know it's mine. And so Shama is doing that. Shama has worked, and it's just a patch of beans. You know, it's not that much. It's just a patch of lentils, the Bible calls it. And so they're there, and, and Shama is, is working. You know, he's, 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 he's getting ready to bring in the harvest. Now the family can maybe make it, and we're not going to starve to death. It's going to be great. You know, it's not much, but it's our little bean patch. And, 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 and next thing you know, the Philistines say, yeah, that's enough. We're here to take it now. And they come in, and everybody else flees. Everybody else flees. We are living in a church generation of people who do not know how to stand their ground in the midst of spiritual warfare. Because we've set aside the weapons that work. Amen? The Philistines have gathered together into a troop, so there's a bunch of them. And so Shammah is there, and he, he's working, he's trying, he's doing his best. And, and he looks over, and, and they're ganging up on him now. And he looks around, and he's like, are, are we ready to defend this place? And it's just him. It's just him there standing. So my question is, uh, you know, why? When the Philistines gather, everybody runs in the text. Why do we run? Why do we abandon our purpose, our promise, our calling, our inheritance? Church, my friend, why do we abandon it? Because you know there have been situations in your life where you feel like that's what's happened. You feel like, you know... 
I, I know that God wanted to do this. He, he wanted to use me. And, you know, why, why do we abandon situations that God has promised us one outcome and we've accepted another? Why does it look like that? Um, and this, this is you know, what's at the very, almost at the very, very core of what I have for us today. Defeat. This is, my, this is Joe Parker's definition of defeat. Defeat is when you come to believe that the enemy is entitled to your stuff. Uh, the Holy Spirit burned that in, in my mind. Defeat is when you come to believe in your mind and accept with your heart that the enemy is entitled to my stuff, to my family, to my calling, to, to, to my to whatever, whatever. And so I ask you today, why do you feel like the enemy deserves to keep what God said was yours? Why do you feel that way? And furthermore, why are you operating in that? Why do you feel like you have to accept that outcome? Why do you feel like the enemy is entitled to the things that God promised you? And here's a couple of reasons that I came up with in my own life and the times that I have backed down and the times that I have lost and times that I have abandoned maybe the promise and the potential that God called me for. Some of you, and here's the thing. Uh, some of you guys think that, uh, that this church is supposed to be um, me preaching or you know, whoever's preaching, preaching, and then like, you know, good, some good worship. And then this church will be made or broken based on what you, you do, not what I do. The same anointing that is on me is on you. Look to your hands because you're the warriors. You're the fighters. Really, it's only my job to say, there he is, go get him. That's really my thing, to inform, to teach, sometimes to correct and to love and to encourage. But in the end, I'm not fighting on my own. I can't, I, I can't do it. And, and Brother Andrew can't do it. You know, this, the, the old saint of God who's a prayer warrior, they can't do it alone. Um, you do have a purpose. And there are, ooh, I'm going to tell you something my papa told me when I first started preaching. And this is for every one of you. It's for every one of you. This is for Timmy. This is for Tom. This is for Adam. This is for Kelly. This is for Sandy. This is for Richard. This is for Julie. There will be people in heaven or in hell based on whether or not you are who you were supposed to be. Yeah. That is true. That is the truth. And it's not just talking to somebody. We, you need to disciple them. You need to wrap them up in love and support. You, 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 need, you need to be so invested. See, that's the thing. There, why, why do you feel that way? Why do we feel that the enemy has the ability or the authority to do what he does? Um, number one, he always does. Right? I think that's the first reason why you run from your calling, why you run from, from, uh, from the responsibility to be the man or the woman that you've been called to be and that you know to be. Why do you run? Because well, the enemy always steals it. Like, that's what he does. He stole his. Stole my mom and dad's. Stole my brothers. He stole that person's. He stole that church's anointing. I mean, that's what he does. 
Like, you run. Why do we run? You're just like, oh, I don't know. Why are we running? Why are we running? Are they, oh, yeah. I mean, just, and then you get caught up in it, and then you run. You run because that's what he always says. He always steals it. And surely we're no different. That's a lie. Here's another really, really, really good one. Why, and, and here's the question. What's the question? Why are you giving up your stuff? Why are you letting the enemy have what was promised to you? So number two, um, I made mistakes that forfeit my stuff. I know it was mine, but I did wrong. I goofed up. And now it's not my stuff anymore because I don't deserve it. Because I don't, uh, I don't have any call to it anymore. I know I'm still a child of God, and I know I'm still saved, but, but I, I, I don't have any right to be that victorious. That, sound, you know, that, that ground, um, the, 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 the lentils, the spiritual harvest that, that, that should have and could have been you. I, you know, I know it's mine. I know God gave it to me. I know that, you know, maybe you already know that the enemy doesn't always have to take it, so you know that much. But I, you don't understand, preacher, I messed up. When my kids look at me, they see somebody who's inconsistent. So I can't download what I need to into them because that's not for me to do anymore because I goofed up. Whenever my friends and family, whenever I try to invite them, they have seen enough of me, the old me, or the, you know, the, the, the me that sometimes still slips out of the new me. When Paul says, you know, I, daily I crucify the flesh. They've seen enough uncrucified flesh to where that's not my ground anymore. I have disinherited myself from the promise because of me. So you don't understand, preacher. You don't know my past. God's promises, though, are yea and amen. And you don't think that God knew in his infinite knowledge that goes alpha to omega all of time, he didn't know about your mistakes when he plotted out the ground? That's a flake. That's a cop-out. It's still yours. It's still yours. You gotta want it. You gotta take it. It's still yours. If you leave here with one thing, and then and you're still not on the right page, you're not gonna you. You'll leave here knowing that that's a cop out. Your mistakes keeping you from the woman of God that He called you to be. That's a cop out because it's still there. The ground's still yours. The promise is still there. Third, He's taken other people's stuff, so He has to. I mean, He can take mine. But there's one more verse, and then we're going to end. Because we did, we did the first verse where the Philistines came. Verse 12, though, says, But he, who's he? He is Shammah, he is loser. Somebody say loser. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field. Somebody said the loser stood in the middle of the field. And stopped losing. I don't light your fire, your wood's wet. Yes, sir. The loser stood, verse 12 says, and, he, and the loser stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought a great victory. That's good stuff. Stationed. Do you know what stationed means? 
It means a post or sphere of duty and occupation. It's a post or sphere of duty and occupation. It is the place he stationed himself. He said, you know what? Ooh, Jesus, help us. He said, he said you know what? Um, the promises, the, the fight between light and dark, that's not really my thing, but this is. I don't know. Everybody else ran. Maybe they're smart and I'm stupid. Maybe everybody else, you know, uh, maybe, maybe I'm missing something. But I do know one thing. This is mine. And so he took up a position of ownership over what was his biblically, what he knew that it was his, and, and then other people relied on. And he said, I'm going to stand right in the middle of this. I don't know what the enemy is doing. I don't know, what, you know, I don't know who gave them an inheritance. Come on, somebody. I, I, don't, I don't know who gave, who, who gave Satan my inheritance. I don't know where he got it. I don't know where these situations, these trials, these weaknesses, I don't know who gave them an inheritance. But this is mine. And honestly, enemy, trial, you can take it up with God. This is mine. That's so powerful. He stood there. He stationed himself right in the middle, and he said, I'm not losing this. I am not. You can call me what you want, but I am done being a loser. I am ready uh, to walk into this and, and come what may, and God, th- th- here's the best thing in the world. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. I hope that you get it. I hope that you get it in your spirit. He didn't win a great victory. He stationed himself in the middle and defended it. Defended his promise, defended his land. God won a great victory. And the reason he did is because the loser got his mind right. Don't really see him being that mighty. Just, just ignorant enough to stand on what God has said. Just, just, just full of faith enough to believe God. That's all it was. He didn't do anything fancy. Here's the thing, my friend. He didn't do anything that you can't do. He didn't do anything that, that you can't do. He didn't do anything you know, supernatural. He didn't have a great sermon. He didn't have, you know, this. I don't know. I don't think he had hardly anything to fight with. Samson had a jawbone. Yeah. One guy had a, you know, had a, a cattle prod. You know? That guy didn't have nothing. And that's why God won the victory. God won a great victory because the loser got his mind right. Uh, hear me now because it was a question of ownership when he stood in the middle of the field he was declaring this this isn't your field enemy it's God's and he gave it to me so in that moment he invokes something bigger than himself he's no longer standing on the uh, on the precipice he's no longer being weighed uh, in the balance of power and authority. It's not about him anymore. He shuffles himself right into the middle of that patch of of beans and says, I don't think I can keep you from this, but you didn't give it to me. Somebody else did. And that's who you have to reckon with in this moment. That's who you've got to challenge you. See, because, ooh, Jesus, whenever whenever you claim the promises of God, he is no longer, the enemy is no longer in contention with you. He's in contention with the one who issued the promise and who is faithful to keep it. You ever seen a stupid wrestling match where, where the guy's getting beat half to death and then he tags in the guy that's twice his size? 
Sometimes that's what we're doing. Sometimes you're like, oh, you, you guys, you spirit filled people, you're crazy. What are you doing? Uh, you got your hands raised and you're, you, you know, you're, you're, you're crying, you're weeping, you're allowing God to touch you. I'm just trying to tag somebody else into my situation. Sometimes that's literally what I am doing. I am saying, God, this is, this is my promise. I, 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 need, I need you to tell him that it's mine. I'll stand here, but I need you to fight him. I'll stand here. I'll, I'll believe you, but, but in the end, the victory has got to be yours. And God says, I will take that. He will tag into that situation, and he will say, look, here's the problem, devil. Here's the problem. I promise that. If it was something he was doing on his own, then maybe I could stay out of it. But I literally cannot stay out of this anymore. I can't do it. I'm not allowed to. I am God. Like, if it was like his, his own business, his own thing, his own promise that he fabricated, that's one thing. Maybe, I, maybe that would go good, maybe not. But I promised him that. I declared unto him that his family would be saved. I spoke promise and truth and restoration and peace that passes all understanding in his life. I gave that ground. And now I have to defend it because you have invoked me. My child didn't fabricate that. That wasn't ground that he took for his own. It was ground that I gave. So enemy, we've got, we've got a battle to fight. And then he comes into the midst of the situation, my friend, and he raises up a banner that is victory. And he always wins.